This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. Welcome to the Center for Sports Studies podcast. My name is Brandon Podgorski, Professor of Sport Management at Trine University, and I want to welcome you to this week's podcast. Today is a special podcast as we replay the Center for Sports Studies Sports and Sales Symposium that took place on Monday, November 1st. Center for Sports Studies Director and Associate Professor of Sport Management, Brandon Podgorski, moderated a panel of sports sales experts, including Xander Atwood and Brent Herring. Xander is the new athletics ticket sales and annual fund director with Purdue Fort Wayne Athletics, and Brent Herring has spent 15 years as the director of group sales with the Fort Wayne 10 Caps. Both Xander and Brent share about their careers in sports sales and answer student questions regarding the industry. I hope you enjoy the replay of the Sports and Sales Symposium. All right, well, welcome. I think we got everybody here who's going to be here. So this is our annual sports symposium uh, that we do through the Center for Sports Studies. Uh, the Center for Sports Studies, I think this is our third year that it's been in existence. We started this as a way to kind of bridge some of the gaps with all our sport-related majors and minors. So we do a few things with the Center for Sports Studies. So I'm, I'm the director of this. I think I've met all of you, but if not, Professor Podgorski, Professor Pod. I'm Associate Professor of Sport Management here at Trines, my sixth year director of the Center for Sports Studies. Um, we do a few things with the Center for Sports Studies. One, um, we've got a bi-weekly podcast that's available on all the podcasting platforms. So I try to bring in people from all throughout the world of sport, um, which is going to be really neat. Now that we got um, Brent and Xander here today. They'll be on it uh, next week as, as a recording of this. So this is an opportunity for you in 30 minutes to learn about what different opportunities are out there to work in sport, whether it be SID, sports agent, sales, um, social media, digital content, athletic trainer, I mean, we've got a ton. So feel free to go back and, and check those out. Um, we've also got a quasi-research blog as part of the Center for Sports Studies. If, it's, if you've got like a burning topic, you wanna contribute to the blog and, and give me a little bit of a break from writing, um, please feel free to, to contribute there. Um, and in the fall, we do a symposium. Last fall, we did a symposium on name, image, likeness, and how even D3 athletes, how you can kind of build your brand through NIL. Um, I'm not saying you're going to get thousands of dollars, but if you're savvy, you could probably get like, some burritos from Moe's or something. Right? Um, and then this year, we're doing on sports and sales. Um, and it, it was really interesting conversation I was having Brent on the way up here, and he said something. I say this all the time, um, and, and he nailed it. Um, if you can raise revenue, if you can bring in money, you're going to get a job in sport. And I know not everybody wants to get into sales, and I completely understand that. Um, and I'm not saying that you have to, but let me ask you this: um, How many of you, how many of you have had a job, part-time job? Okay, all of you, right? Um, any of you have to do like any type of sales, whether it be retail or anything like that? No. But everybody had to interview for a job. Right? That's sales. You've got to know how to um, how to sell yourself in an interview. So you might not necessarily be on the revenue side where you're actually selling tickets um, or asking for donations, but um, you do need to have some of these techniques and be able to sell yourself. So that's what we're going to talk about today in this uh, symposium. And then in the spring with the Center for Sports Studies, we'll bring in a little bit more of a high-level speaker to come talk to students as well. We've had um, Tim Ballman, president of the, the Mad Ants, come in and talk with us. Last year we had Steve Jabara, who's the owner of the Grand Rapids uh, Gold, now the Gold. Uh, they're the G League affiliate of the Nuggets. He's one of our alums. So we'll have somebody in that, like that, come in the spring. Right. First, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Again, you guys know me, so you're tired of some of this. Right? But I'm going to moderate today's panel today. So just how you have a little bit of background, I'm going to have Brent and Xander talk about their experience as well. Um, but for myself, when I graduated from IU back in 2003, um, I worked with a chain of gyms called Cardinal Fitness. And I became an owner and operator within a year with them. So I had my own location down in Bloomington, and then I oversaw locations in Indianapolis and Columbus. Um, so my first start in sales professionally outside of school um, was gym memberships. Right? Um, and the cool thing about working in sport, it's kind of consultative selling. So we're trying to match you up with, with something that works for you and your business or your group or your company. Um, <laughs> 
chimp sales, a little bit different. Um, you know, as soon as you come in the door, like I'm not going to let you leave until you buy, right? So I'm not saying we're a little we're slimy, but it is a little bit different there. However, we were named the top gym by Indianapolis Monthly and, and um, did really really well for for a number of years. From there, I went down to uh, to Georgia because I really wanted to coach and uh, was a fitness center director, assistant basketball coach. It was nice and didn't have to do any selling, except I did have to do a lot of recruiting. Same thing. I had to kind of sell why you should come to a two-year college because some of these players we were talking with, you know, I want to go D1. I want to go D1. I should go D1. You're right. You probably should, right? But your GPA is telling me you need to come here for two years, right? And this is why you should come here as opposed to going to South Georgia Tech. Right. Form of sales. Um, then I came back home and was the athletic director, fitness center director at IU Kokomo for two years. Um, did a lot of fundraising with that and was able to raise our scholarships by 30000 per year. Um, and then had a similar experience with Xander. Um, worked as a sports marketing director for the Kokomo Jack Jackrabbits and Lafayette Aviators College Summer League baseball teams and had a portfolio of about $400,000 in cash and trade between the two teams. And then um, today, I get to be a professor, so it's fun to be on the other side. Um, baseball, as they'll tell you, it's, it's a grind. Um, they won't admit this, but I will now that I'm out of it. Um, it got to the point, you know, you work your eight to five, and then you're at the field at seven. Um, I didn't care if we won, just please don't go into extras. <laughs> I just want to go home, and I don't want to pull tar. Um, but um, through this, now I get to teach this in like, how many of your sport management students? Okay, so just about all of you. Uh, when you become a senior, you get to take the sport management capstone. So Drew's going through it right now. In the fall, we partnered with the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, and we do a ticket sales class with them. So they're selling group ticket sales. In fact, our current champion right now is Drew. He's in the lead, and he's got his championship belt that he can show you to show you that he is the sales champion right now. It's our uh, traveling trophy. Um, and then in the spring, we run the KSB golf outing. So we do, and um, Grace has played in that, so you were in that last year. Um, we do all the registering players, marketing, um, sponsorships, and we've raised over $30,000 the past three years. So, um, you know, you will, if you're a sport management student, at some point you're going to learn how to sell. So with that, revenue, it drives sports. The worldwide sporting industry, it's over $500 billion industry. Now, it's not just the United States, but worldwide, $500 billion. So when people ask me, what do you do? They say, oh, I'm a professor. Oh my gosh, wow. What do you teach? Sport management? Oh. <laughs> um, you watch ESPN all day? I wish. <laughs> um, but, you know, what I try to tell them, $500 billion industry, there's a ton of money to be made in sport, right? Um, and this, I thought this was interesting. So looking at workinsports.com, it's a big job board. Looking at over, I think there was 2,000, I did not do this, but talking with Brian Clapp who runs it, there were like 2,000 job posts. 53% um, require sales in some form, right? So again, good skills you need to learn. And as we look at the um, global sports market where it's forecasted to grow, we're supposed to see a rate of um, basically a, a growth rate of about 9% year over year. Because okay? people love sport. And we're talking about going to games, watching games, buying sporting equipment, use sports, all that stuff. And so where are the jobs? <clears throat> so we got two buckets to look at jobs in sport. We kind of got the player side. Right? We're, uh, we're hanging with LeBron. Velvet ropes, bottle service, all that fun stuff that we think goes with pro sports. Only about 15% of the jobs are on that player side if we're thinking about some scout, coach, general manager, things like that. Right? Doesn't mean if you don't want to be a G, if you want to be a GM, don't go for it. I'm not saying that. Just saying the pass really narrow. Right? How many how many NFL teams are there? 32. 32. So there's 32 GM jobs. Right? There's 400 degree sport management degree granting schools in the country, right? So you're going up against roughly, you know, eight, 10,000 other people, right? So work at it, but just understand like 85% of the jobs, they're on the business side. Sales, marketing, operations, facility, accounting, finance, human resources. That picture right there on the right, that's Andy Myers. If you're going to Detroit, you're gonna meet him. He's one of our grads. Um, Andy did the 10 caps class. He currently holds the record for most tickets sold, uh, just shy under 300. Um, Andy graduated in May of 2020. What happened in March of 2020? 
COVID, right? Were we playing sports in May of 2020? No. So Andy graduated as a sport management major wanting to work in sports with no jobs available, right? However, Andy, in his four years here, he had a couple internships and he networked with everybody. So he went with us to Detroit one year and uh, he met a guy up there who did group sales named Brandon, stayed in contact with him. And then when he graduated, so we had to, you know, just like everybody else, March hit, we all went home. He was only able to sell for three weeks, but he sold almost 300 tickets in three weeks. So he calls Brandon at the Pistons and he says, hey, listen, I know you don't have any jobs right now, um, but I just sold 300 Mad Ants tickets in three weeks right at the start of COVID. You should probably hire me. He's like, you know what? You're probably right. We should. So he got a job with nothing really available. He got a job. Um, and now he just got promoted. And in fact, he's about to get another promotion here in just, just uh, hopefully a few days. Okay. Although I'm not, probably shouldn't have said that on the podcast. <laughs> um, so hopefully his bosses aren't listening, right? But again, Andy would be the first one to tell you, um, you know, he, he was a good student, but he didn't have like the highest GPA of any other student. He just worked his brains out. And now he's going to have a really nice career in, in sales with the Pistons. And he'll probably end up moving on if he doesn't become a manager. So last thing before I turn it over to our panel today, because um, we really want to hear from them, just what are some of the jobs that are available in sports sales? Um, we could have inside sales, and I'll let both of them explain this a little bit more, but this is usually where you start out in sport, right, is inside sales. So um, like we had Tyler DeFranco from the New York Mets come in and talk to our capstone class. They've got an inside sales program. We are there with the Mets for about six to nine months. Um, you're basically outbound calling, so you're cold calling 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 people a day, trying to sell single game tickets, trying to sell season tickets. And if you prove yourself and do a really good job, then you're gonna get promoted within the organization. And if they don't have anything available, then they're gonna have connections, because they know you're a hard worker, and they're gonna re recommend you to another team. That happened with one of our alums, Nate Watson, who started off with the Colts, went to the same program with the Colts. Um, they didn't have anything available. They referred him to the Indianapolis Indians. Now he's been there like two years. I'm doing really well. Right? So that's inside sales. Um, then from there, you kind of decide, where am I going to go? Right? And group sales is kind of a natural fit after that. You can see this picture here um, when we took a <clears throat> trip to Detroit and we got on the, on the video board there because we took a group. So we're trying to get groups of people. Um, I know I think both of you guys are doing group sales mm -hmm. right now. Oh, yeah, perfect. Um, so we're trying to bring groups of people out to the event, whether it be you know businesses, community organizations, whatever it would be. Um, those are great because you usually year after year we can bring them. So I don't want to talk too much about it because they're the professionals and I'll screw it up. <laughs> um, or you might get into premium sales. Um, so with premium sales, we're selling like clubs, suites, kind of the really nice kind of jaja types of tickets. Premium sales, if I'm selling a suite, usually a lot of those suites that we're selling um, are to corporations, are to companies, because they want to use that as a way to get a little bit of return on their investment. So if I buy a suite to like the Colts, if I don't know if you guys seen those like uh, suites right there on the floor, or I get not the floor, on the field, right, where Pat McAfee hangs out and everything, right? Um, you know, I'm selling that to a company because if I'm, a, if I'm a company, I want to bring clients out there. I want to close deals. You know, I don't want to spend 25, 30 grand just to go to a game, right? But I want to see a return on investment on that. So premium sales, you're dealing mostly with companies. And then you got sponsorship sales. And I'll tell you about this picture. It's my favorite thing ever, right? Uh, if you want to get into sponsorship sales, not sell tickets, but if you want to be the one who's selling like these outfield wall signs in baseball, you're selling those to corporation, that would be sponsorship sales. My favorite sponsorship I ever sold was with a company, a dog training company called Sit Means Sit in Kokomo. Um, they bought an outfield sign. As part of the outfield sign, they got a promotion. And they're like, hey, what if we had one of our trained dogs, this trained German Shepherd, be the bat dog? So guy comes up, hits it, and we got Jake the one, diamond Jake, dog. Yeah. <laughs> guy comes up, hits it, drops the bat, dog goes out, brings the bat to the to the dugout, and we've got a big PA announcement. It's on the video board, sit means sit. So if we can train this dog to do this at a game, just think what we can do with like your hyperactive poodle. Right? Um, so that was a really, really great um, uh, promotion for them. They spent a lot of money to do that, um, but they got a lot of people to come in their doors. So with that, I want to introduce 
each of our guests here and I'll have them talk a little bit more about their background and just put a little bit of um, background up here for you. Uh, talk a little bit more about their background kind of day to day and then we can kind of open it up for questions and I can kind of lead the conversation. Um, but we'll start off with Xander. Um, Xander's joining us from Purdue Fort Wayne. He just took a job there and started a couple months ago as the uh, athletics ticket sale and annual fund director. Um, he's also worked with the Lafayette Aviators, uh, Purdue University, the Aspire Group. Um, you can see his LinkedIn. I'll move this if you wanted to contact him. Right. Um, he did his undergrad at Aquinas College up in uh, Grand Rapids and uh, has an MBA from Purdue. So if you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and what do you do for Purdue? Yeah. Purdue Fort Wayne. Well, thank you guys for having me here today. Um, I was telling Brandon earlier, this is probably the first podcast that I've ever been a part of, so this is actually pretty exciting for me. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of career-wise, Brandon pretty much said it all. I've been to quite a few different places. Um, started out uh, with my uh, undergrad degree uh, and needed an uh, internship to graduate, so I, I went with the Disney College program, uh, interned at uh, Walt Disney World in Florida for a little under a year, uh, working at Main Street USA. Um, got me out of my shell quite a bit and got me to really open myself up and become more of a, uh, an extrovert out of that. Um, went on to work with the Battle Creek Bombers, their summer collegiate baseball team. They're now the Battle Jacks, they renamed themselves. Um, out of the Northwoods League. Uh, went on to work at Aspire, or through the Aspire group at Western Michigan University, uh, and then worked four years at Purdue. After that, all of, all of these positions have pretty much been in ticket sales to this point, so I've really made my uh, name being able to sell and really be able to push myself to um, get as many different people out for athletic events as we can. The perk of working in uh, Western Michigan and Purdue was that it's college athletics so it's not like you have baseball is just through the summer and then there's off months throughout the year with college athletics it's all all the year around like it's it's going up throughout the entire year so if one season's not if football's done then it's going into basketball season if basketball season's done it's going into baseball if baseball season's done it's going into volleyball the next season so it's a constant cycle um, so there's never really an off period with it, uh, which made it a lot more exciting because then I could really focus a lot more and do my work a, a lot harder with that. Um, unfortunately, like most of the people within the sports world, COVID really put a, a huge dent on a lot of people's careers. Um, same thing happened with uh, me at Purdue. Uh, lost my job as a COVID cut um, in September of 2020. Um, literally my last day there was three days before my wedding so great wedding present but it is what it is um, I wouldn't have changed I wouldn't have uh, done anything different I wouldn't have changed anything about it it got me to where I am today um, got me my next position actually with the aviators worked there for almost two years as the uh, director of ticket sales and then vice president of ticket sales um, so I was handling pretty much everything in terms of the box office managing the box office ticket operations while also managing a sales team um, and being able to push them to help with uh, group sales and all that kind of stuff. On top of that, I was uh, working in um, sponsorship for the team as well. So I was bringing in different organizations within the greater Lafayette area uh, to try to come in and be a part of this new uh, ball, ballpark that they had just built in downtown uh, Lafayette as well, um, which if you haven't been there, it's a fantastic they actually do have some internships opening now so if you guys are looking I'd recommend it but um, yeah I got done there uh, after about two years uh, wanted to get back into college athletics and Purdue Fort Wayne was hiring so I uh, made my way out to the east side of the state and here I am been here since uh, July uh, starting to get to that point where it's it's starting to even itself out and I'm, I know what I'm doing I know where I need to be and what I need to do so um, yeah, I'm really excited for this season and, and uh, plenty more to come after that. Fantastic. And then we also have uh, Brent Herring here with us. He's director of group sales with the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. 
Um, you know, some of his past ro roles um, was with Purdue University, Fort Wayne, I think, doing some game day stuff with them. Yeah. I read your LinkedIn, right? Yeah. Uh, I know on the board at Fort, Fort for Fitness, uh, Memphis Redbirds, lacrosse loggers as, a, uh, as an intern there. Did his undergrad at the University of uh, Wisconsin Lacrosse and uh, was also part of Leadership Fort Wayne, which are really cool programs. I got to be part of one um, in Kokomo, really cool programs. Cool. Um, so Brent, tell us about what you do and maybe a little bit about your experience. Yeah, absolutely. So um, like Professor Pod said, I uh, went to the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse with a sport management major there. At the time, there, I know you said there's 400 sport management programs in the country. There definitely wasn't 400 back then, um, but uh, I just wanted to make myself as marketable as possible. So I was also a recreation management minor as well as a business minor. I thought about, okay, I want to get into sports. How realistic is that? How can I make myself marketable? And uh, what would be my backup option if I can't get into sports? That kind of thing. So uh, I worked at the YMCA for a couple of years. I kind of thought uh, it'd be kind of cool to run a YMCA. So I uh, uh, got some experience doing that as well uh, but then I ended up getting into sports so I got an internship with the lacrosse loggers there in the Northwoods League so um, the cool thing about a, a league like that is there's three full-time staff at that uh, for that team and then they hired like 16 interns every year to really help make the ballpark go uh, they also didn't have a cleaning crew so the 16 interns were the cleaning crew that came <laughs> in and you know we flipped up bleachers and swept up peanut shells after the game but you literally were involved in every little aspect of that team and I left that summer with the lacrosse loggers thinking this is what I want to do uh, they were I got paid $700 for the summer um, the one the one thing that you could do in addition to that to earn additional income is if you volunteered to sell beer at the games, you got to keep your tips as a beer vendor. So that was one thing where the uh, this, our, the interns would actually fight over who got to vend beer for the game because um, you could leave with a hundred bucks in your pocket um, just from the tips for, for doing that. But I left that summer like um, I I. Like I've said, I've, I've vended beer at the games. Uh, There's a bunch of goofy, wacky promotions we did in that league. If the loggers turned to double play, it was two for one, rip your floats for the rest of that inning. So I would get called on the radio and have to run to the nearest concession stand and just start scooping ice cream. Um, th there was a, a promotion there called the Beer Batter. I guess I'm from Wisconsin, so you have a lot of promotions involving <laughs> involving beer there. But um, uh, there was, if the Beer Batter struck out, it was dollar beers for the rest of that inning. So I would run to the nearest beer portable and just start pouring beers. And there's just something about that environment that I was drawn to and I thought I want to go work for a bigger team than this and just see what this is all about so um, my next year I was finishing up school needed an internship to graduate I ended up getting in with the Memphis Redbirds at the time that was the most expensive ballpark built in the country it was a 75 million dollar ballpark uh, it was built right downtown Memphis to really help turn downtown Memphis around downtown Memphis had sort of a bad reputation at that time this is about 20 years ago uh, a few years uh, after that they brought the uh, after the ballpark open they brought the Memphis Grizzlies to town uh, built the FedEx Forum about four blocks from the ballpark that I worked at and they really had been building up like those four blocks and um, putting in hotels and restaurants uh, there's a really cool district there Beale Street um, and so they were building up that whole area um, so I got there I was there about six years after that ballpark opened and things had really been going uh, I did a corporate sales internship there so really got to kind of dive into some sponsorship sales uh, they hired 16 interns from all over the country and uh, they put us up so we were we had eight two-bedroom apartments and literally we were from all over the country so we had a guy from LA a guy from Boston I was from Wisconsin there is a, a girl from Michigan a girl from Illinois and those to this day I mean this experience I, I was there in 2000 and uh, seven and uh, to this day I'm still in touch with a handful of those those folks um, there's a girl that works for the Arizona Diamondbacks now um, there's a few other people still in sports and we still trade emails what are you doing for this um, it's a copycat business right if something works for one team it might work for your team so uh, love that experience and as I was finishing up in Memphis uh, my former boss in Fort Wayne had reached out to my boss in Memphis and said hey uh, we're hiring three new sales reps in Fort Wayne uh, we're very close to getting approved to have a new ballpark built there uh, if you have any good interns that you think would be a good fit uh, spread it out spread that word and so my boss came around the corner put a sheet of paper on my desk and said I think you should apply for this and I googled where Fort Wayne Indiana was and uh, interview set up an interview interviewed for the position um, to sell group 
tickets for the, at the time it was the Fort Wayne Wizards. We didn't even know what we were going to be. We knew we were going to rebrand. And uh, so I, I moved to Fort Wayne uh, in October of 2007, and we broke ground on Parkview Field in November of 2007. So it's been very cool to be uh, a part of that, like literally graduated college and have been part of Parkview Field um, literally from the ground up. So I was just out of college, and we were like designing what we were going to do in our different group party areas and what we were going to do for menus and stuff like that. And, and at the time, I thought, okay, I'm going to be here a year and a half uh, at the old ballpark, then move to a new ballpark. I'm going to sell here for a couple years, and then I'm going to see what's next. Uh, well, three to five years turned into 15 years, and I'm still there um, uh, this long later. Uh, what's happened in between then and now has been really incredible. Um, our owner owns two other minor league teams. Uh, we're big on promoting from within. We've had uh, in 2016, our ownership group opened up a new ballpark in Columbia, South Carolina. At that time, I think six or seven of our full-time staff in Fort Wayne moved to Columbia to help open that facility. Um, so a few people got promoted. I was fortunate to get promoted in Fort Wayne because my boss was one that got promoted. He's now the president of the team in Columbia and uh, uh, and have been promoted a couple times since and I'm running the group sales department for the team. And um, there, there's one thing in this business like uh, that you, you really, I've learned to not take for granted and we have really good solid ownership in Fort Wayne. Um, we work for good people and there's really no substitute for that in the in the business of sports. So um, uh, there's been some people that have left the tin caps over the years and maybe they haven't been as, as happy uh, when they moved on and I've never not been happy in Fort Wayne if that makes sense and I just think we have I work for good people and we have great ownership and people always say what's next and I used to say I, I want to do this or I want to get to here I want to sell in the big leagues or that kind of thing and now I'm thinking um, that I, I absolutely love where I am. Um, one note is uh, my wife runs the video production for the Tin Caps. We met at the ballpark. Um, she's a Fort Wayne native, and we had our first child this summer. So um, that certainly has an influence, too. Grandma and Grandpa are right down the street. I actually sold them season tickets. Um, so, uh, to in-laws. To my in-laws, yes, exactly. So uh, uh, so this has really kind of become, Parkview Field has really kind of become my baby, I guess. You know, I, and um, we're super proud of all, like, the investment that has happened in downtown Fort Wayne in the last 15 years. People used to say we don't come downtown Fort Wayne uh, or we didn't come downtown Fort Wayne and now we come downtown Fort Wayne for everything. Uh, and I think the, the stat I heard a few weeks ago was the year prior to Parkview Field getting built, uh, $2 million was invested in downtown Fort Wayne. In the 15 years since, it's hundreds of millions of dollars have been invested downtown Fort Wayne. In pro uh, a lot of them have been public-private partnerships, but now there's a few buildings that are being built for hundreds hundreds of million do millions of dollars about six blocks north of the ballpark along the riverfront uh, and it's just been uh, a blessing to be a part of it and I'm excited to see Fort Wayne continue to grow in the years to come. Um, so if you guys have questions as we go along raise your hand but um, I'll kind of get things started because both of you said some things that I want to touch on so Brent I'm going to start with you yeah um, you know you're saying you know what what's next what's next and maybe one day I want to go work in the pros and I've heard that from students before okay I'll work in the minor leagues for a little bit and then eventually I'll go to the pros um, but I don't think they made me necessarily understand everything you get to do in the minor leagues and just what that different dynamic is from you know selling groups with the 10 caps and your game day duties and everything else as opposed to working, I don't know, any, any MLB team where it may be a little bit more narrow in scope. Um, can you speak to that a little bit, what that difference might be? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so one of the opportunities I had coming out of college that I actually turned down to go to Memphis was an internship with the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm a Milwaukee native. And I actually turned that down because I asked like what uh, just the questions you should ask when you're interviewing kind of thing. I asked like, what's the day-to-day -day like? What have people who have done this internship in the past gone on to do? That kind of thing. And the internship sounded like, so the uh, Kohl's department store, stores are headquartered in Milwaukee, and it seemed like I would have been like sort of executing the corporate partnership with Kohl's that had already been sold, but it would have been things like driving around from Kohl's store to Kohl's store, doing enter to win, and it, it, it was just like, it seemed like a lot of busy work, like stuff in envelopes, that kind of thing. And then I asked Memphis, well, what would I be doing and they were like selling sponsorships and I'm like okay that's appealing to me that's something I could put on a resume and I think that's one of the big differences between the minors and the majors we have 32 full-time staff in Fort Wayne uh, and I mentioned before I worked for the lacrosse loggers they had three full-time staff members there like you get to do a little bit of a lot of different things so I might be selling group tickets but I get to do a whole lot more than that I might be running kegs during a game I might be um, you know making sure well the easiest way to sell the group the next year is to make sure it goes well 
well the previous or the the current year you're working on so i might be running food for our concession stands one of the new unique things about us is we run our all our food and beverage in-house so i feel like we have a lot of control over what we do and that gives me the ability to make sure the groups that i'm doing are going well so i can it makes that call a whole lot easier in the fall um, after a group is is done well than if something goes wrong that kind of thing and i feel like if you're in the pros you're working in a front office with hundreds of people and if you're selling sponsorships you're selling sponsorships and that's it and i feel like that's really what's drawn me to the minors and what what's really my whole career has been in the minors is you get to do a little bit of a lot of different things uh, i mentioned i'm on the board for four for fitness that's a big like it's the largest half marathon in fort wayne and it ends at home plate at parkview field uh and so i got involved just wanting to see the event do well and i'm a runner too and that kind of thing and so i just um just kind of got involved with that um and it, you just get to have a little bit of different experiences um, with with a bunch of events that are going on for, in Fort Wayne, and, and that's something that I was really drawn to in the minors. And then, Xander, um, thinking about group sales and now your role with Purdue Fort Wayne, I know you're just kind of coming in, but I know you've done some of this before in your past stops. How do you cultivate that relationship with groups? So Xander was in my class, my capstone class before we came here, and he made a good point. You know, with group with, with inside sales, you know, it's kind of like I'm turning, I'm burning, I'm calling a hundred people, I may never talk to them again. You know, with groups, as you were saying, you're probably gonna see them year after year. So how do you go out and like find those groups and then keep those relationships going year after year? Yeah, a lot of it just comes down to being able to show them the experience rather than being able to show them the team. Yes, mm. sports is very much about winning and losing and who's better, what, what not, blah, 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 blah. That's just the superficial part of it. Really what it comes down to, meat and potatoes, is the overall experience that you're getting, whether it's at a ballpark, a basketball stadium, a football stadium, whatever. Um, you're there to be able to get the full immersive experience, and that's the picture that we want to be able to paint to groups uh, in particular, uh, is that you're getting a full experience with this. You, you're getting it to be able to sit right down close to the court or right next to the players and you get that frontline experience of just being able to see and experience everything that's going on within the game. Um, there could be different benefits that go on with uh, groups as well, uh, whether it's ticket discounts, which are always great. Um, there's recognition during games, so it could be we put your name up on the video board or we, put, we have a video of your group in the stands. Um, and we be, we're able to see, or everyone is able to see your group having a good time, um, or maybe members of your group come down as part of like a intermission game or something like that uh, for marketing. Um, those types of experiences speak volumes to groups, um, especially to large ones where it's, it's not just one person that's having a good time, it's multiple. And if multiple people have a good time, they share that experience with others and it helps to bring in more people year after year. So I think those types of relationships help to cultivate um, a lot more um, passionate relationships that you can you build over the course of time. So I'm so glad you talked about the experience. I want Grace to, to be able to ask a question, but I'm gonna piggyback on that. Sure. In just a second. Go ahead, Grace. Um, so just in general for both of you, um, like what's your favorite part of sales and like what skills, not just like the basic, you know, like, um, like leadership skills, but like what are the specific skills you found that have been like the most beneficial in your field? You wanna go first? Um, yeah, I'll go <laughs> for it. Um, honestly, I'd say um, just being able to learn about other people and just build up that relationship with them uh, is probably one of the more rewarding pieces of it. I talked about it in uh, Pod's uh, capstone class as well, um, but the the highest reward that I can get out of uh, any sale that I make are the smiles uh, and the memories that these groups and people can create out of it. Um, we're kind of like the front line of defense for everything that happens within athletics. Your first overall experience is not going to the stadium or getting a bag of popcorn or uh, sitting in your seats. Your first experience is with the ticket office. First and foremost, like you're you're talking with somebody trying to buy tickets, you're going online looking to see what those prices are. If we can create that ultimate uh, that ultimate starting point for your overall experience, if we can start that off well enough at the beginning, that speaks volumes to everything else that happens after that. So, yeah, I think Xander hit the nail on the head. It's I think it's building that relationship. So, I think 
my mom would have told you that like she never would have seen me as a career in sports. My mom spent part of her career as a librarian, and I think the analogy I use is me selling sports is like her selling a book to somebody. Like if it's something you're passionate about, I think it becomes natural to you. Um, but it's it's building that relationship. It's having people skills. It's being able to listen, not just being able to talk. But it's I feel like now like being around so long, like I didn't want to come across as like that cheesy used car salesman, and I think that's like the perception sales can get sometimes. Um, but in sports, I think it's more, uh, if you know the person, you're asking how their family's doing, if their kids play sports, how are they doing? And it, like, you don't wanna call and just ask someone to buy something. And I think one of the things um, that we do is like create touch points where you're not always asking for money or you're not always asking for a commitment of some sort. One of the best things we did a couple of years ago is we do uh, our last homestand of the season, we do like a group leader appreciation week. It gives me a chance to reach out to every group leader that came out that year and offer them free tickets to our last homestand stand and it's a, it's a touch point where you can reach out and not ask them to buy something and we, we try to create a few of those so it's not always like oh every time I hear from Brent he's asking for money mm-hmm. uh, and I feel like that kind of goes over well um, to be able to do that and so it's it's really just uh, creating those relationships so you don't even feel like you're doing sales you feel like you're just you know catching up with a friend that kind of thing and then um, and then when they spend money with you it's an added bonus kind of thing Any other good question so we'll, I'm going to talk touch on the experience and um, in just that experience at the ballpark, especially for minor league um, baseball or for any kind of minor league sports, if we want to call it college athletics minor when you get a, at a mid-major deep Semi-professional. Final. Semi-professional, yeah. right. <laughs> uh, so, Xander, I'll, I'll start with you and then Brent, the same question. But, um, like, I've taken my son. He, he's only three, granted. Yeah. But we've been to three Mad Ant, or um, uh, Ten Caps games. And, you know, every time we go, he thinks it's the Cubs, right? Because Dad's a big Cubs fan. He's like, oh, they're the Cubs. No, no. Like, he doesn't understand the players. But he knows I've gotten a baseball. I get ice cream. He's gotten to throw a first pitch before, which was awesome. Um, So how have you guys built that experience? Because we talk about that with minor league. You know, it's not being insulting, but I couldn't tell you one player on the 10 caps. But I know when I go, I have a great time. Right, and that's what you want to excel because you know if I go to a Cubs game, yeah, I know the batting order, I know the record, I know everything. So how have you guys done it? Um, I know you're just new to Purdue Fort Wayne, but maybe with the Aviators and the Tin Caps, how do you sell that experience? How do you make sure these events are something where people are like, oh my gosh, that was so much fun, I'm coming back next year? Yeah, I think um, the one thing that I've learned over the course of my career is uh, painting the picture for clients to be able to see everything in their mind's eye on what could possibly happen. So you're, you're sitting there describing to them, um, walking into the stadium and he- feeling the roar of the crowd coming on you as you walk right in and get, and get to see everything. Smelling the popcorn, smelling the hot dogs, being able to sit in the hardness of your seat and feel it underneath you while you're watching the game. Um, being able to, to feel yourself jumping up as, as, soon, as soon as a team scores a touchdown or uh, scores a basket or hits a home run. Um, those types of, uh, that type of selling is really important um, and it's something that we use a lot, or that I've used a lot no matter where I go. Um, another point that I've learned is, um, base, the way we called it at the Aviators was baseball was just icing on the cake. You're selling the overall experience of it and showing people, hey, you're not here for the baseball. Who cares if the team wins or loses? You're here to come out as a group and be able to share an experience together in the ballpark, be able to do your own thing and have a good time and be able to experience it with, with one another. Um, that, more than anything, is what sells it for people in the end. That's what shows them, okay, this is going to be a good time because I'm doing it with friends or with family or with coworkers or whoever. Um, I think those points ultimately are what has worked for me in the past and what will continue to work in the future because it's it's basically easy. It's one of the most easy easiest things you can do. So yeah, you're, you're exactly right. You're selling the experience. So um, one thing that's helped me in sales, if someone's sort of on the fence, if you can get them to the ballpark, that kind of sells itself. If you uh, if you're setting up a meeting with somebody, if they say, hey, do you want to come to uh, my office? I'm like, hey, why don't you come to the ballpark? Because if you can walk around and show them, um, that that's definitely uh, one one thing and that you one feather you definitely have in your cap. Um, for us, 
we, we sell past players a little bit, like Fernando Tatis played here. We sold that a lot, and then he got busted for steroids, and we eased off on that a little bit. <laughs> um, but you, so you sell a little bit of that, but you're, you, you control what you can control, right? We can't control what players we have. Um, there's 120 affiliated minor league teams in the country. The Tin Caps finished 116th in winning percentage this year. Uh, it's the worst team in 30 years of professional baseball. It was the worst team winning percentage-wise we've ever had. There are some bad games. Um, and uh, we haven't had a winning record since 2015. So we've been doing a lot of that, um, selling the experience over um, uh, selling uh, like the, the the players and the wins and losses and that kind of thing. Come out and have a good time. Uh, we have all these promotions every day of the week. We're bringing in all these different people. Um, you know, somebody from the office is coming and signing autographs or we're having a pro wrestling night or this last year, one of the most successful theme nights we had. Uh, we brought, we had a Fort Wayne Daisies night or tri tribute to the Fort Wayne Daisies of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. It was the 30th anniversary of the movie A League of Their Own coming out. And we brought in, I think five former players from that league, uh, three Daisies and a few others that lived around the area um, and they signed autographs it was supposed to be an hour uh, we didn't know how the autograph session would go it was supposed to be an hour long autograph session they signed for over two hours because the line was so long um, and we raised money for uh, a monument to grow up to go up in the park in Fort Wayne uh, where they played um, back in the 40s so it was a really cool night people were all totally behind it you're selling that type of thing versus uh, you know the experience the, the the players of the experience because we, we don't know what the talent on the team is gonna have we had uh, one of the best you even though we were bad this last year, we had uh, a former first-round pick, Robert Hassel III, was our center fielder. Um, he was he, uh, He's a great top 10, top 20 prospect in all of baseball, but then the Padres traded for Juan Soto, and he was the piece that was going back to the Nationals in that trade, so we lost him partway through the year. So you just you can't control that kind of thing. Yeah, you can maybe talk about him, you know, the couple months we had him, but but then he's gone, and so you can't. You, I might have sold somebody a group for August and talked up Robert Hassel in May, and then by the time they're coming, he's gone, you know, so you can't really focus on that type of thing. You're focusing on the experience. So, you know, the NFL, kind of different from anything else. It's just a piece. Like the money that they bring in, mm -hmm. you know, I think about 60% of the revenue comes from media. You know, baseball, in Major League, only about maybe 25 to 35 to 30% of their income comes from media. Uh, minor League sports, even a whole, whole, whole lot less. So, like, ticket sales are kind of that tree trunk there um, uh, of the revenue, if we're looking at a tree, uh, of the revenue tree. So. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of pressure sometimes in sales to actually sell because you got to hit your numbers. So how do you guys kind of deal with that? You know, because you're dealing with a lot of rejection. Um, there's a lot of prospecting, a lot of time on the phone. Um, do you feel that? How do you deal with it? Like, what advice would you give to to young salespeople out there? I'll let you go first this time. Yeah, uh, you definitely feel some pressure. I think, in a way, almost any full-time job has a certain level of pressure. But I think. I know I take a lot of pride in, like you said, it's a big revenue driver for what you're doing. I kind of think that's a big deal, you know? I feel like, hey, I'm going to work, and if I sell something today, uh, like you kind of want that pressure in a certain sense. I think um, a lot of people that work in sports, you played sports in some capacity growing up, and I feel like even if it's high school sports or whatever, that kind of thing, that helps you. I feel like that it, 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 it being competitive helps you um, in sales. Like, yeah, I might go to the copy machine and see that somebody printed off like this awesome sale, and I'm like, yeah, I'm happy for them, and I'm like, okay, I gotta go sell something now because this person sold something, and I think that that kind of helps drive you a little bit. I think we like you work in a fun environment, that kind of thing. Um, but you're right. Like there is a certain pressure. Like our groups went on sale last week um, uh, for, for the 2023 season, and we're comparing what did we do the first day versus what did we do last year versus what did we do before COVID, that kind of thing. And we had our third best ever, which is a decent start. But I'm thinking, man, if we would have sold 15,000 more dollars, we'd had our best first day ever, that kind of thing. And uh, so there, there's there's a certain level of pressure. How, how you handle it, at the end of the day, I, I like there are, we have had some interns over the years that you know put some pressure on themselves and that kind of thing, and, and at the end of the day, I'll, I'll take a deep breath and say, you know, at the I'm not performing, you know, surgery on somebody today. There's nothing life or death that we're doing. You know, um, uh, we have a beautiful ballpark. At the end of the day, maybe won't have like you want us to have our best year and i knew like this last july last year wasn't going to be our best year uh and, and it wasn't our worst year but it wasn't our best year so now it's my job to figure out okay what can we do uh what are the things we can sort of tweak to, to have our best year this year and so 
um, I feel like I'm generally an optimistic person. So you, you, you're not thinking about what's going wrong. You're thinking about what you can change to go right, that kind of thing. And uh, so you, you just kind of realize that you'll be able to, like, as long as you show up to work, do the best job that you can do, you'll have faith that you'll be able to uh, turn things around and have a successful season. Um, but just know that it's no, there's nothing life or death that I'm doing at the end of the day. And I think that kind of helps me too. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, um, I think most people get, like, uh, sometimes a negative connotation on sales, especially in, like, bigger industries that aren't necessarily sports related where it's, it's very doggy dog and everybody's out for themselves and not looking out for anybody else. It's not a team environment. It's who can make the most money at the end of the day. And if it's you, good job. If it's, if it's somebody else, you screwed up um, or anything along those lines. Like in sports, you, you have that mentality already when you're in a team, like coming up and growing up as part of a team, whether it's baseball, volleyball, basketball, whatever, um, you have that teamwork mentality and you want to be able to see your teammates succeed. You want to be able to see yourself succeed, but more, more often than not, you want to see the overall success of the team rather than your own individual success. Um, and I think that comes into play a lot more in professional, minor league, semi-professional sports more than anything else and more than any other sales industry because they want to be able to see the overall team succeed rather than the individuals. Yes, it's good to get the rest the recognition for individuals, but at the same time, we want to be able to see the overall success of the team rather than it, um, rather than one person in particular. Um, I know, at least in my case, I don't have the same benefits as what you guys do with the tin caps. I am literally a one-man office, so I am the ticket salesperson. I am the group's ticket salesperson. I, I sell season tickets. I manage the ticket office. I manage all of our student uh, workers working on game days. Like I'm basically everything the ticket office is personified in one person. <laughs> um, so it's a lot more responsibility on my end. Um, but at the same time, it's more of a challenge for me to see, okay, what can I do to push myself to make us succeed a lot more at the end of the day? What can I show my boss and my boss's boss and the AD? What can I show to them that I'm doing that will make it look good from point A to point whenever B is at the end of the line, whenever I'm done with my job here, which hopefully not been wood, that's not for a while. Um, <laughs> But I want to be able to show them over the course of time, hey, we grew from this to something a lot better. Um, and if I can do that from just doing it as a one-man show uh, to a multi-person team someday, hopefully, um, then I know that I've done a great job at the end of the day. So thinking about starting a career in sales, and Xander, we'll start with you this time, and then uh, go to Brent. Um, what, what skills do you need um, or what should students be working on now so when they graduate, you know, when they're seniors who are ready to hit the ground, ready to go? Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges that I had coming out of college was trying to find an internship somewhere. Um, it was that endless cycle of uh, we can't give you a job because you don't have any experience. Well, I can't get that experience if you don't give me the job. Um, and it's not always the easiest thing to get into with uh, minor league sports in particular, um, or even major league sports at a, at a much higher level. Um, they're looking for cream of the crop. They wanna be able to see that you have the initiative, you have the passion, you have the drive. You want, they want to see you as you are and uh, see you be able to push yourself to become something even better than that. Um, and it's not always the easiest to get your foot in the door. Um, but I think the one thing that I've taken away from uh, being able to work my way to where I am today is just by getting myself out there uh, and pushing myself to learn uh, more about other people and other industries and um, other organizations and see how they do things, learn from that and build upon those experiences on my own. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there is a certain aspect to like the it's not what you know, it's who you know. There is a little bit to that. Um, being able to network and, and breaking into the industry is exactly exactly the challenge. Um, I was applying for internships everywhere when I, was in, when I was in college, and I just thought, well, what can I do 
<coughs> excuse me, not necessarily with like your, <coughs> excuse me, um, with your grade point average, but just experiences and things that you can get on your resume. Goodness. Um, and uh, so I worked at the Y for two years in college, and that got me into the loggers. And then I did uh, I worked for the loggers for a summer, and then worked in their front office for a semester, um, just for free, just to get the experience. And then, uh, and then I just started sending my resume everywhere to Memphis and who knows wherever. And then um, if you got a call back, um, and, and then I actually was in the position to choose between a couple different internships at the end of the day. Um, but that Memphis internship, being able to do a little bit in a lot of different areas, um, set me up to get into Fort Wayne. And it's just, uh, what can you do now that put that you can put on a resume? Because I actually help run our internship program. So I look at a lot of resumes, and I don't care if someone has a 3.8 or a 3.4. I look at the experiences that come after it. Like, you need to have a 3.4 versus a 2.2 or something like that. But it doesn't, but I'm looking for like, okay, what have you done um austin who helps he's our assistant director of group sales and he uh, uh he worked for three years uh for the lansing lug nuts in their ticket office when he was in college he drove 40 minutes every game to do that but at the end of the day he had no tr trouble finding internships and he got to actually choose between several different internships um because he worked in the ticket office and so it's just what can you do now as an experience that you can put on your resume um uh, that you can add to uh, you know your major and the classes that you're taking and your grade point average so you guys said something uh, really important, um, and, I, and I say it all the time, but it does bring to mind a story. Um, I won't say his name, but there's a guy who was working a director of ticket sales for the Colts at one time, and a student asked the same question. Hey, you know, what skills do we need? What experience? He starts listing them off, and eventually he's like, you know what, forget about it, uh, because he started talking about GPA, or somebody asked him about GPA as well. He's like, you know what, forget about it. He's like, at the end of the day, I just got to be able to have a beer with you. And what he meant by that is like, you don't need to drink to work in sports, right? But you do need to be able to relate with people on a certain level. And, you know, especially dealing in group sales, ticket sales, whatever it is, you're dealing with so many different types of people because not just one person is going to come go and watch the Macedons or watch the Tin Cat. You know, sports something that everybody enjoys. So you do have to be able to kind of relate um, with a bunch of different people. So something they said. Um, one, you got to get some experience, right? If you want to work in sports, you've got to get some experience. And two, you've got to network. Because you're right, I had a, my freshman professor at IU 100 years ago um, said, you know, it's not what you know, it's not who you know, it's who knows you and who likes you. And um, boy, was he right. I mean, I, I see that now and that I'm on the other side. So I'll, I'll ask you guys, um, Ren, I'll start with you about networking, and then Xander, I'll ask you about experience. Um, have you found any good, effective ways to build your network? say yes I think that's probably the best way to answer that like you'll have some opportunities being here today is an opportunity you said yes and you're here so just what when you have opportunities to do things um, like you have that trip to Detroit coming up like you're gonna have opportunities um, that who, who knows what they'll lead to right but they could lead to something and you could meet something you're gonna have some doors open um, through the experiences as you have here at Trine and but know that there's also other people that are having those same experiences at other schools and it's the people who say yes and get themselves out out front um, you're gonna have the opportunity if you're selling tickets for the mad ants that you could that's a line on your resume how did you do in that class that kind of thing that type of thing stands out walking around with a championship belt that you sold more tickets than somebody else hey I got some internship applications right here I'd love to talk to you that says something to me you know what I mean like, like it's just saying yes to opportunities you're going to have um, opportunities to be able to um, do things while you're in school and just say yes to those and I think you'll be better off for it when you come to uh, applying for jobs down the line and then what about experience, Andrew? So what are some ways as college students that they can start to build that and have that on their resume so if it comes across Prince desk and be like, oh, okay, yeah, I see you've actually done a little bit of work. Yeah, I mean, um, just being able to put yourself out there and volunteer uh, for quite a few different events is, is fantastic work. Already, you guys are in the sport management club, so that's already something that you can add onto your resume with that. Um, working volunteering at like different athletic events, uh, whether that's here at Trine uh, or at somewhere else, a high school, um, maybe you go down to Fort Wayne and you volunteer for like the Mad Ants or for the Tin Caps over the summer. Um, any kind of work that you can do to help uh, pad your resume a little bit more, um, all that experience adds up to something at the end of the day, whether it's a very thin layer of something or a very big layer of something, all that is going to add up to something much more cushy for you later on uh, in your career to get to that first step. 
uh, to get to that first uh, foot in the door uh, entry level job that you guys are looking for. So um, I'd say no experience is a bad experience. It's all how you make it. Um, but there's definitely uh, with that quality over quantity, I think um, you could have three good experiences somewhere um, and that adds up more than a hundred bad uh, or small experiences, I should say, not bad, um, small experiences. So um, I think definitely quality over quantity is what's going to end up helping you with that at the end. Okay, so last question I have for you guys. Um, if you could think back to one of maybe like your favorite memories working in sport, whether it was a group that you sold, an experience you had. Um, I talked about the one sponsorship I sold that I still kind of bore students with to this day. Um, whether it's internship, professional career, and I'm stalling so you can kind of think about it. <laughs> yeah. uh, what, what comes to your mind, just like one experience, it was like, oh, I was so glad I got to be a part of that. And whoever kind of thinks of it first can, can pipe up. I mean, sports, you, you, you definitely get a lot. You, you get a lot of uh, moments that really just stand out where you're like, man, that was really cool. That was really awesome to be able to be a part of. Um, I think the one moment that really will stand out in my mind for quite some time uh, was my first year at Purdue. Um, was the 2016-17 season. That was Caleb Swanigan, God rest his soul. Uh, that was his second year where he ended up winning Big Ten Player of the Year. Um, that year, it was a treat just being able to watch him play every single game. He put up a double-double almost every single game, and it was incredible to watch. Um, the last game of the season uh, was at home against Indiana, and we had a chance to win the Big Ten title outright um, with a Wisconsin loss that night. Wisconsin did end up losing halfway through our game, so it was just a matter of us. Being, being able to pull through. We beat Indiana, confetti went off at the from the rafters. Um, I got to help, since our department at that point was under marketing's control, I was helping out with marketing, uh, being able to bring out the Big Ten Championship trophy, so I got a picture with the trophy, uh, brought that out onto the court uh, to be presented to the players. Um, and I remember picking up uh, just a handful of confetti off the floor, putting it in my back pocket, and I still have it to this very day. And it is something that I will cherish for the rest of my life. It's I, one of my most favorite experiences. Um, I'm going to give you two. One related to a game, and another one, I, being in baseball, you get to do all kinds of goofy, <laughs> wacky stuff. So um, in 2009, it was the first year of the ballpark, um, uh, of Parkview Field opening up. Uh, and we... The, the, People said our team was stacked. I think it was part part that. It was also part, um, we could tend to be pretty young, but that year the Padres drafted a lot of college players, so we were a little bit older. Had a lot of 22, 23-year-olds that came out of college the year before. Um, and that, that team... Um, uh, ended up winning the championship and also set the record for most players on one team that made the big leagues. I think we ended up at 21 or 22 guys that played for us in 2009 made it to the big leagues. Uh, and, but we uh, had the best record in the regular season, went in with the, the number one seed into the playoffs, and it was the the series to get to the finals. It was like the uh, Eastern Division Championship Series. Uh, it was just a best of three. And uh, it was 1-1, game three, and we were down. Uh, we came back and tied it, and it was the, I believe it was the bottom of the 10th inning in 2009. Um, something happened. I don't know if it was a double switch or something. Our backup catcher was in the game. He was like a 200 hitter, super nice guy. Um, I don't get to meet very many of the players. That's another common misconception. Like, I'll talk to him a little bit, but but really you don't have a whole lot of relationship. But this is a guy who would just say hi to you. Just a friendly guy. Um, he hit a walk-off home run in the bottom of the tenth to send us to the championship season the series, and the place just went nuts. And uh, and that was just something that I always remember. Um, and that, that was not an easy road. Like we were even down in our first series and hit like a big RBI double to make it to that series. And so it wasn't any like they all went to the deciding game. It was it was it was just a crazy playoff run. Um, it, it's sort of a crazy wacky promotion one. I don't know why this one came to mind, but you have so many that come up, and this was probably. Probably six years ago, um, we do a promotion where it's called uh, the Condiment Chase. It's like a hot dog or ketchup, mustard, relish packets or whatever. Um, and I was running in a ketchup packet, I think it was, and 
it was wrestling night, and we brought in, um, if you remember, old, it's usually like an old-time wrestler because they're a little bit cheaper than, you know, bringing in someone who's around now, but it was Hacksaw, um, Jig Duggan, if you remember him. So he had his two-by-four and the American flag, and he would always march around saying, ho, or whatever. So I was running around in a ketchup packet, and I actually got whacked with a two-by-four by Hacksaw Jim Duggan <laughs> to take me out of the race. And that was just something that, it just, I don't know, what did you do at work today? You know, and that, that's what I did at work that day. So it's just different, different stories like that that I've got a bunch of those just from over the years that you get to experience. That's amazing. We can't do any better. So we're going to end it right there. So uh, please give a hand for our panelists. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to check our social media pages for our next guest on December 1st. As always, we'd like to say a special thank you to producer Josh Hornbacher for his work behind the scenes. This is the Center for Sports Studies podcast, broadcasting from the Trine Broadcasting Network. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe to the Center for Sports Studies podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star rating if you like what you heard. For more information about the Center for Sports Studies, please visit trine.edu. Also, be sure to like the Trine Center for Sports Studies on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TrineCSS. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.